I don't trust the Raiders. I know they made the playoffs last year, but think 2016 Dolphins. Yes, they made the playoffs. Congratulations. The issue to me was sustainability. The Raiders were not consistently a top 10 team. Like Derek Carr would have good weeks and then he would have a bad week. And I don't think the consistency is there. I don't think they're all pulling in the same direction. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. I always like to give credit to whoever I was listening to when we come back from break as we were listening to something right there. But all I have in my mind is Chief Keefe. That's that ish I don't like. Hey. I'm sure Raider Nation was listening to whatever they had to say, talking about the Raiders not being pulling in the right direction, talking about Derek Carr, and everyone was saying, yeah, that's that ish I don't like. Very fitting. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920, hour number two of the show. We had a fast and furious show uh, for hour number one, and we're going to keep that party rolling. But let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line, a very patient ABA Ivan Davis. Welcome to the show, brother. What's on your mind? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Man, who was that clown that you just, whatever clip that was? <laughs> Ari said that that was what he calls Raider haters. Raider hater jabronis, as I have it titled. Oh, man, you lucky I wasn't. I was, okay, thank you for your time, sir. You've been wonderful. Goodbye. <laughs> that, that's how that would have ended. Right. But uh, as far as your trades, okay, um, I think we the third wide receiver. I think we already have with the uh, with, with Robinson. Okay, and if you have to, you can go Waller because Waller is true is actually a wide receiver right. in a tight end body. I mean, you still can't guard him if you put a, if you put unless you put a top corner on him. Right, for sure. So why not just use Waller if you just have to use a third wide? You don't need to trade for one. Okay. Okay. As far as the uh, offensive line. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, my man dropped from 400 to 298. Does he have a disease or something? I mean, right. I mean, that's so, concerning. I, mean, I have concerning. a little concerned about that. But the other two trades, I agree, I would like. But they got to find something to plug in that offensive line, or or work really, really hard at my man from Alabama to make sure <laughs> make sure that he somehow he is ready. I hope they got some outstanding offensive line coaches because I mean. I'm gonna stay on my stance until that gets. Once that gets fixed, I think I think the nightmare train that is the uh, Las Vegas Raiders will be in full effect. Okay. I got I got a meeting I got to get to, man. Go Raiders! There he goes, ABA Ivan Davis. Don't let us make you late to the meeting, man. You got to get to your meeting on time. So yeah, the Makai Becton situation, man. That's it's kind of bizarre. We I, we all know that he has a lot of talent. We know that he could be potentially a really good player. But, man, when you just fluctuate from one to another and it's just at the rate that he does and the inconsistencies that he has, you know, similar to the the, the uh, tweet I got from Aaron, just having flashbacks to Trent Brown, you know, just really, really inconsistent. But I would be all aboard. I mentioned it multiple times already. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Deron Payne from Washington. Check, please. Problem is. I don't know what it would take, what the Raiders would have to give up to get him. See, that's the other thing. It sounds all good and fluffy to go out and make a trade for a really good player, right? Ain't nobody giving up a really good player for nothing. You know what I mean? Like, that's the case. So what would a Jerome Payne cost? In this piece from, from Ian, he says that Washington would get, in return, a defensive tackle on Michael Brockers and a 2023 second-round pick. That ain't nothing to shake a stick at. That's a pretty... Pretty high, you know, c- capital in return. So what would the Raiders have 
in return? What would they have to give up is my question. And that's what we'll ask Ian when he joins the show coming up at 4 o'clock. He's from Bleacher Report, put out the really good piece. And then as far as Bradley Roby goes, this one's much better for me. A 2023 six-round pick. That's easy. You know what I mean? I'd have no problem. Basically, just uh, similar to the text we got, if you can give up a six-round pick and get Casey Hayward what he was able to do a year ago, you would do that every time, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Casey Hayward showed last season that he was well worth more than a six-round pick. Now, of course, the Raiders signed him as a free agent, so they didn't have to give up anything. But if you had to give up a six-round pick for a guy like Bradley Roby, I think that'd be no problem. Eric Rowe, I mentioned him earlier. He's on the Dolphins right now, and in this piece, they're talking about sending him to Tennessee for a 2023 fifth-round pick. He's intriguing to me because he's up and down. His play dipped a little in 2021. He actually allowed more receptions than he normally does. 48 catches, matter of fact, he gave up in 2021. So that's, that's, that's quite a bit. But what is he really good at? He's really good at matching up with tight ends. And how long has the Raiders been trying to find a safety that they can match up with tight ends? You can go back to LaMarcus Joyner. You can go back before that. Guys that can run with the tight end. Now they got Jayon Brown, the linebacker from Tennessee. Maybe that's the guy that they put in that situation. But that's something Eric Rowe can do. Matter of fact, the very first line in this piece Rose three years in Miami have led to a total of 243 tackles and three interceptions. He's also specialized in defending tight ends in a unique third safety role. That's what they're talking about when it comes to Eric Rowe. Currently with the Dolphins, potentially with the Titans, according to uh, Ian's part or Ian's report that he has on Bleacher Report, Ian Wharton, that is, who will join the show coming up at 4 o'clock. So just want to get your thoughts, what you think. Are any of these trades something that you would think of? Is there a trade that intrigues you? Is there a player that intrigues you? Like, like I have a couple guys uh, on my radar that I'm looking at that I think would be good additions to the Raiders. Let us know about it. 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Raider Mac. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What's up, Q? How's everybody doing? Hey, man, we're blessed. How you doing? Good, 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 good. Hey, um, you know, one of the things I, I, I want to say is that why are we, why are everybody trying to move um, Darren Waller to the outside, leaving where he, he's, you don't see. I mean, Kelsey moves around here and there, but most of the time he moves. He comes out of the out of out of the tight end position. That thing is you know, you try to get you try to get another receiver or get, keep the receivers in that. But you need Waller to stay at that tight end position because that's where he's most valuable at. Because you he has mismatches when you try to put him outside. Now now you're getting corners that that can run. They're not as big as. At the linebackers, but they can't run with with Waller, but they just smaller. So stay, keep him at tight end, just like we used to have Dave Casper and all the rest of our tight ends, and take advantage of that. Also, Q, when are we gonna get? When are we gonna get a linebacker that can cover um the running backs out of there? We need to find a young linebacker, and I thought we was gonna do that in the draft. Why? Why are we not looking into that? And, and I know you said that McDaniel's and this regime they 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 take everything slow, but we about to start camp up pretty <laughs> soon, and uh, we we just need to get a we need to get a defensive um, uh, line linebacker and a DB into camp before before it starts. Uh, let me know what your thought is. All right. Hey, thank you for the call, Raider Matt. Good stuff. And I'll tell you, I think Jayon Brown could be that guy. I mentioned him right before you hopped on. I think Jayon Brown could be that guy. In Tennessee, he's, he's got quicks. 
He he could run with a, a wide receiver. He could run with a tight end. I mean, he he potentially could be that dude, and they got him on the roster right now on a one-year deal. I think that that's the guy you want to look out for. Uh, we talk about, and I heard the morning tailgate this morning, Clay Baker and Vinny Bonsignor talking about circling guys on the roster. When we get to training camp, when we get to get out there and see what they're doing, circling numbers and circling names, and who are you paying attention to? Jayon Brown, that's a guy that I encourage you to pay attention to. When we come back with our reports, come back and say, you know what, how's Jayon Brown looking? Because I think he's going to be a dude who's going to be a difference maker. And as far as Waller, being on the outside, I agree 100%. And that was the point of the whole, you know, th- third wide receiver. If you leave Waller where he's at, then all of a sudden it's, it, you've created the ultimate mismatch, right? You've created the ultimate mismatch because you have Devontae Adams. You have Hunter Renfro. If you have a third wide receiver, pick your poison. What do you want to get beat by? Like when I was younger... And I used to talk trash on the hoop court. Imagine that, right? When I used to talk trash on the hoop court, I one of my lines, one of my go-to lines was like, what do you want me to do? Because either way, I'm about to beat you. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to go by you left? Do you want me to go by you right? Or do you just want me to go over the top? What do you want me to do? That's what I used to tell him. Of course. Because I, I, I talked trash. I was a little cocky at the time. Got to get humbled, at right? At the time. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Ari? Oh, I'm going to send you back to ESPN Las Vegas. See, everyone. No, all that confidence. <laughs> How do you know I'm going back peacefully? Uh, it don't matter. <laughs> I know the boss. Yeah, I do. He's a cool guy. He, he was is. confident in his younger age. He's all right. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, at that point, if you have a three-headed monster out there as far as wide receivers, true wide receivers, and then you have Darren Waller as well, I mean, you have to pick your poison. And so say it's Demarcus Robinson or Matt Collins or Keelan Cole. You think these guys are going to get any kind of attention when you have Renfro, Waller, and Adams out there? Adams going to get everyone's attention in the stadium. In the stadium, everyone's going to be looking for 17. I've said this about the Raiders for a long time, and I really have talked about it defensively. Like, they don't have a guy, and they haven't had a guy for a while, that keeps opposing coordinators up at night. You know what Devontae Adams does? Keeps opposing coordinators up at night. Now they have a two-headed monster as far as Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. Those guys will probably keep offensive line coaches up at night. Trying to figure out how to slow those guys down. Especially in the AFC West where the Chargers offensive line's a little suspect. KC's offensive line's a little suspect. Denver's offensive line's a little suspect. And they got a quarterback that holds onto the ball a little bit longer than he should. Now they have guys on their team that keep people up at night. A few years back, they didn't. A few years back, you're like, where's – and I, used, I always say the alpha dog. Something that my, uh, my former pro, program director, David Smoke, taught me. Alpha dogs are difference makers. They're the ones that keep you up at night. It's been a long time since the Raiders had alpha dogs. Now you look along the, on the field, they've got dudes. They've got alpha dogs. Crosby, alpha. Chandler, alpha. Devontae, alpha. Darren, alpha. I mean, Derek Carr. I don't care if you like him or not, Alpha. He really is. He doesn't make all those those fourth quarter comebacks if he's not an Alpha dog. He did, he just doesn't. Straight up. Now, he might not, you know, opposing defenses might not be super worried about him because they feel like they pretty much know what he is and, and, and keep him in the pocket. But there's a certain sense about that guy. You give him that two-minute drill or you give him that end of the game and he's close, he's going to make some things happen. So in that sense, he's an Alpha dog as well. 
But we'd love to hear from you, Raider Nation. Definitely let us know about it. 702-365-9200. We also got the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Any of the trades that I talked about or any trades you could think of, is there a player out there that you think the Raiders should be looking at to make a move for? And no one's really commented on the couple players that Ian talked about from the Raiders trading in Foster Moreau and also Kenyon Drake. What are your thoughts on that? He suggested to trade Kenyon Drake to the Saints, get a 2023 fifth-round pick, and trade Foster Moreau to the Packers for a 2023 third round pick. Let us know your thoughts. 315 is the time. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Got a short segment here, and then we'll get to A.J. McCord, Emmy-winning sports broadcaster, award-winning sports broadcaster. She'll join the show to talk all things Title Nine. talk all things WNBA. Speaking of the WNBA, Asia Wilson, former league MVP was on the morning tailgate this morning. If you miss anything from any of our shows, make sure you check it out on lvsportsnetwork.com. Of course, they'll be back in action tomorrow night, trying to get that taste out of their mouth from that loss the other night. Just unbelievable. But you know, she said some good things this morning on the morning tailgate. She said, Hey, you know, sometimes you've got to take an ass whooping like that. You just got to take an ass whooping like that. And you got to come back from it. And I don't think she used those exact words, but that's what she meant. (laughs) That's exactly what she meant. You know, and I know that that is really good coach speak. I'm sure that's what Coach Becky Hammond told her and told the rest of the team, like, hey, these things happen. Sometimes you need to take those. But being up 28 points, you don't ever want to take that kind of loss. Being up 28 and taking an L. They were flying high. They were feeling good about themselves. Sometimes you start drinking the Kool-Aid. Sometimes the way they say that you start smelling yourself, sometimes you start smelling yourself, right? Well, they were smelling themselves at the end of the game, and it stunk. So they're ready to get back onto the court and, uh, and get that taste out of their mouth, and I'm sure they will. That's the good thing about this team that I've been seeing and watching. They don't lose two in a row. I mean, they've only lost three games all season. They're still the number one team in the West. I think they're still going to make a deep playoff run, potentially win a championship, but, man, you just can't have too many of those. And the one thing Asia did say The one thing that made me laugh when she said it, I mean, you know when you're sitting at your desk or you're sitting anywhere and you laugh out loud and you look around and you're like, man, did anyone actually see that? What what made me do that was she said, I'd rather it happen in June than happen in October. I was like, yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) That's a good point. Or August or whatever whatever month she said. Basically saying, I'd rather it happen now than happen in the playoffs. Because that is one that stings. You know, the Warriors just won their championship, and I kept going back to that game one where they were up 15 points in the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden Boston came back, steamrolled, and beat beat the brakes off them. I thought that was going to be a game ultimately that the Warriors were going to look back at and say, yep, that game right there. So to Asia Wilson's point, that was the one. Like, hey, you you don't want that to happen. So, again, if you missed that interview with uh, Clay and Vinny this morning, Asia Wilson from the Aces, make sure you go check it out, lvsportsnetwork.com. We put up all our shows that we have, every single one of them from the morning tailgate to JT the Brick, Unnecessary Roughness. We even got a pawn for the review up there. So just go ahead and uh, check out all that at lvsportsnetwork.com. We've been talking about potential trades that the Raiders could make or potential teams that could come in and say, hey, Raiders, can we have this player? This is what we're willing to give you. And uh, this is a really good article that I was reading earlier from Ian Wharton from Bleacher Report, and he'll join the show at 4 o'clock to talk about it. But he had, he had talked about Foster Moreau headed to the Green Bay Packers for a 2023 third-round pick. Mentioned uh, running back Kenyon Drake headed to the Saints for a 2023 fifth-round pick. And then he had mentioned the Raiders going ahead and reaching out to the Jacksonville Jaguars 
and giving getting Marvin Jones for a 2023 fifth round pick. I don't think that they need a, a, a wide receiver. I think that they have three guys that they could choose from, and Matt Collins, Demarcus Robinson, and Keelan Cole. That one of those three guys, in my opinion, should be able to fill that third wide receiver role. So I don't really think that they need to go out and make a move. But you know, he made he, he brought up some good points. The Raiders would just assume four point nine five million dollars to pair Jones with Carr. Adding Jones to a receiving core with Adams, Waller, and Hunter Renfro would give the Raiders a strong fourth option. Carr's aggressiveness and accuracy on a back shoulder throw also makes this a perfect fit for the offense. So he, he he backs it up. It's not like he's just throwing stuff against the wall hoping it sticks. He backed it up with a reason. So I can appreciate that. Some other guys that he believes on the trade block that I was interested in. Offensive tackle Makai Becton from the Jets. He suggested that the Jets would receive a 2023 second round pick and a fourth round pick in return for Becton. I'm kind of on the fence with him because he's so inconsistent. He talked about the Washington football team's defensive tackle, Deron Payne. He actually mentioned him to go to the Lions. And so for that, he, he gave up a defensive tackle on Michael Brockers and a 2023 second round pick. So I'm looking at the Raiders like, okay, what player do you have and what pick would you give up, be willing to give up for Deron Payne? He mentioned the Dolphins safety, Eric Rowe, going to the Titans for a 2023 fifth round pick. I can see the Raiders taking a, a shot like that, especially because he's a guy that can cover the, the tight ends out of the, uh, and tight ends and, and wire, uh, running backs out of the backfield. So I'd be okay with that. And then Bradley Roby is really intriguing as well for the New Orleans Saints. Maybe, since he's coming from the Saints, maybe the Raiders could say, hey, give us Bradley Roby. You take Kenyon Drake. Call it a day. How about that? I'd be okay with that. No draft capital given up. Just swap players. Especially with all the running backs that the Raiders have. I'd have no problem with that at all. If they decided that, that was a square, straight-up trade, cool. No problem. That would probably be the easiest trade to make. As far as I'm concerned, 702-365-9200. We want to hear from you on the Raider Nation listener line. We also got the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. This comes from Raider Angel. Hey, Q, you think the Raiders would be able to get or pry Leonard Williams away from New York football giants? I know they had to release Bradbury due to cap issues. Maybe we could send a third and a fifth for Williams. Just a thought. Raider Angel out. I would, man, I would really be intrigued by the big cat. I really would. I really would. When he got to New York to the Giants, not the Jets, who originally drafted him, when he got to the Giants, he really started to come into his own, right? But I just don't think that they're willing to give him up. They made him the franchise tag player, right? They gave him the franchise tag not too long ago. I I just don't see them parting ways with him. I don't think the Giants are anywhere close. I don't. I don't think they're even anywhere close to being a good team. (laughs) You know what I mean? Let alone being a playoff team. I would love to see them move Leonard Williams, I just don't think it's going to happen. But I'm with you. My thoughts were when I when I knew Bradbury was on the move, I thought, man, maybe they're willing to come up with the big cat. Maybe they're willing to go, you know, give him up. I would be all for that. I just don't see that happening. Let's take one quick call and then we'll take a break. Mitch, calling out New Jersey. What's on your mind, Mitch? Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, Chill? Hope everything's well. Yes, sir. Thank you. Happy happy Friday to you and your family. Thank you. I would take that. We got plenty of running backs. Take the Drake. Who, who wouldn't want the Drake? Okay. And Leonard Williams, come on. <laughs> I remember from USC. He's a bit of an underachiever, but you get away from New York, especially the Jets, it can only get, go, it can only get better. And there's one more thing that escaped my mind, but the way my wheels the way my wheels spin, <laughs> it's incredible. I saw something I thought you enjoyed two minutes ago, and it just, like my hair, just flew out of my head. <laughs> uh, I'll be more prepared next 
Have a good weekend. Sorry about that. Take care. All good, brother. All g- hey, it happens to me all the time, man. <laughs> me. Yeah, it does. It happens to you. You can't even tell me how to say someone's name right. Had me saying Taylor Bashadi's name. Gave me three different names. Oh, Q, you say it like this. Oh, you say it like that. Oh, by the way, you say it like you thought it was originally. Taylor Bashadi, by the way, from NFL Network, will join the show coming up at 430. But coming up next, thank you so much, uh, Mitch. We do appreciate you. AJ McCord, she's an award-winning sports broadcaster. She'll join the show next. Title IX, WNBA, it's all on deck. Radio Nation Radio 920. Back rim, no good. Wilson with the rebound. Outlet pass to Gray. Here come the aces. Gray across midcourt to KP. You know she's looking to fire. She gives it to Jackie instead. Jackie Young, ring it up. Aces got the lead. Time out, Minnesota. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. What you know about that song? What you know about that, Ari? Y'all know nothing about LTLC. Yeah, I'm too young. I'm just joking. I know all about it. <laughs> okay, welcome back Nailed to Unnecessary it. Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920. You heard T.C. Martin right there with a little Jackie Young highlight from the Aces. They'll be back in action tomorrow evening on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, as they take on the Mystics. That'll be at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Right now on the phone lines, though, is someone that knows a little something-something about TLC. That's A.J. McCord. She's an award-winning sports broadcaster. She joins us now on Unnecessary Roughness. A.J., what you know about that TLC? What about it? Thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be here with you on this Friday afternoon. Absolutely. No doubt about it. We definitely appreciate you. Wanted to have you on to talk a little WNBA. Wanted you to come on and talk a little Title IX because obviously that's a, a big deal. And especially on a day like today, I mean, there's a lot of emotions going on in the country. So we, uh, you know, we want to get get into sports and try to keep, you know, keep it light so everyone can kind of get in a good place as they head into the weekend. But let's start off with Title IX and just what that has meant for women's sports, collegiately, professionally, coaching? How about women broadcasters, you know, like yourself? (laughs) How big has Title IX been? And you know what's wild is it's often so tied to women's sports and the advancements that we have seen there, and it certainly is. But it's not just women's sports that have been the beneficiary of Title IX. It's women's education, higher education, participation in high school sports. Title IX in its, you know, very short 37 words is so far-reaching and has such an impact for so many women across the country and and has for the last 50 years. And you think about, you know, even watching the NBA draft last night, you saw Jaden Ivey go to the Pistons and his mom, Yell, played in the WNBA, right? Played with the Shock and the Mercury Mm -hmm. Fever. And so I think Title IX is one of those things that um, it has propelled women to a more equitable place without a doubt in the last 50 years. It also has yet to live up to its full potential of how much it can level the playing field literally and figuratively for women in sports. But it certainly has opened a lot of doors. And, and like you mentioned, a really heavy day today for a lot of women with celebration of the 50th anniversary today and then waking up to the news this morning. So Title IX certainly something that has impacted the country uh, and a lot of women were very passionate about sports, played them myself all the way through high school. Um, and then started covering them in college. And it's, a, it's allowed women to be in a space where 50 years ago, you know, they weren't in that space. In fact, in 72, when the law got passed, just 2% of college athletic budgets went to female sports. Mm. So now any federally funded school has to have equal funding for men's and women's sports. And we've seen the impact of that 
all across the country. And as we saw in 2021 in the Men's March Madness Tournament versus the Women's March Madness Tournament, we still have so far to go because it's sort of a loophole in this law is that the NCAA actually is not beholden to Title IX. So while the member institutions are, NCAA is not. So that is when I say it's come so far and also we still have so far to go. That's sort of the the space that we're living in on the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Yeah, no doubt. You hit it right on the head, and there is such a long ways to go. But I feel like at least that, you know, the door has been opened somewhat, you know, and at least there's some acknowledgement. And there's some things moving forward. And you mentioned you playing sports and, and, you know, how important that was. You playing all the way through high school and now covering it like a glove. I mean, if Title IX wasn't there, you probably would have – there probably would have been a good chance that you never played sports. I mean, have you ever thought about it that way? Oh, absolutely, because I was a gymnast. So it wasn't, you know, I'm not even one of the sort of major sports that a lot of, there's a lot of high schools that don't have gymnastics, but I was really lucky that my high school had it and I competed in club all the way because, you know, gymnastics at 16 years old, you're ancient if you're not in the Olympics. And (laughs) so, you know, at 16, I knew I wasn't going to be an Olympian. So I switched to focusing on high school gymnastics to sort of get that sisterhood and that camaraderie, that team aspect that club gymnastics didn't provide me. And that was because my high school offered that. I mean, gymnastics was not, is not, you know, one of the most dominating, for lack of a better word. It's not the most popular, I guess, the common sport, you know, female sport mm-hmm. to have in high schools. And yet I was lucky enough to have it. So there's a very good shot. My high school never would have had, you know, gymnastics had Title IX not been around. And I know so many friends who played soccer through college and, um, you know, basketball, obviously, is such a big one. You think about how much that sport has meant to so many people, including, of course, people who love the aces now. Like, these are things that never would have come about have we not started giving women opportunities in high school, in college, to even see that there's a pro possibility. Like, it all it all starts. And so I absolutely think about how much Title IX has impacted my opportunities and what I'm what I'm able to do and I love my job I couldn't imagine doing anything else and when you think about what life was like before 1972 and the passage of this law there's not a space for a woman who has the passions like I do so I, I certainly think about it all the time and um, yeah, I'm stoked that we've made it 50 years and hopefully in another 50, you know, my daughter and, and all of those, the next generation is going to be the ones who are saying, man, look how far we've come since our parents celebrated the 50th anniversary. Right, exactly. Have them in a better place than, than we're in and that you're even experiencing. And again, we're talking with AJ McCord and she's a award-winning sportscaster and in your industry, I know this it's, it's a man's industry, we know that, I mean, but you're doing a hell of a job and many women like you are doing a hell of a job what needs to happen next? What, what do you think needs to be the next step to even make where you're at right now more of an even playing field? You know, I think that what needs to happen is happening right now. Like I think about I've been in this industry a little bit over a decade. I started, you know, really in college and then straight out of it as well. And it really felt like, you know, this is a perception at least. I'm not sure if it was the reality, but the perception of a young woman coming into this industry is there's a table and there's one, maybe two chairs for a woman mm-hmm. in, in this sports table, right? This metaphoric sports table. And now as I look at where we are 10 years later, even from where I started in the industry, there's so many women that I look around and not just women, but men who have pulled up chairs and said, no, 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 there's space. It doesn't matter how many, you know, it's not like a token thing anymore. Right. It's a, 
oh, this table's not big enough, let's extend it, right? Like, let's put in a leaf and bring up two more chairs. And that's what I think has been so cool, even as I'm still, you know, relatively early in my career compared to some of the women that I admire and, and think the world of, like the Sarah Spains and the Doris Burks and mm-hmm. Cassidy Hubbers and Kristen Ledlow's. Like, there are some women who have been in this game a lot longer and they've seen it change even more drastically. And so, you know, I think what we need to do is just, keep doing what we're doing right now. And I'm so excited to see the rhetoric. You know, I think one of the things that women battled constantly was this, well, you never played football, so how can you talk about it? Or you never Mm -hmm. played basketball at professional level, so how can you talk about it? Well, at the same time, not questioning the male counterparts who never, you know, never played sports past high school, um, if even in high school. So I think we're starting to see the rhetoric change too, just among public perception. And you can think, so many women, like the ones I just mentioned for that, but I mean, Nina Kimes is making such strides in her field with ESPN and all of her NFL analysis. And what's so great is cute. I could go on for an hour. Like I could take up more than this whole segment talking <laughs> about how many women have blazed the trail for women like me. And when I got into it, it wasn't that way. It was like, oh man, I got to find another woman to ask their advice on this this particular instance, you know? And now it's like, Man, my phone is full of women who I can talk to if I need an ear to listen or, you know, advice or whatever it is. And that's just such an awesome, awesome thing. Yeah, no, it it really is. And, you know, one woman that I I wanted to throw her name at you and just get your reaction is South Carolina head coach Dawn Staley. I mean, she's been. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, WNBA, she's fantastic. She was an Olympian. I mean, college, she was fantastic. But she was Title IX way back in the day. They were calling her Title IX in eighth grade. I mean, how much has Dawn Staley done for 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 every woman out there? Oh, I don't think that we can ever fully appreciate the impact that Dawn Staley has had on women's sports, women's basketball, of course, in particular. But she pushed so many boundaries so early on and so unapologetically. And she had the ability to, she was so good. You couldn't deny it, right? So when she's saying, no, we deserve more money, we deserve better travel. And then even at South Carolina, sort of the way that she has paid not just the way for women's basketball coaches to get paid in college, but the way you see some of the the women who have come out from her sort of coaching tree, whether it's going into coaching or into the WNBA or into, you know, whatever their passions are, you see these women leading apologetically and believing that they deserve the space that they're taking up. And that is a direct result of not just Don Staley, the fantastic basketball player and coach and all of the above, but Don Staley, the, very, very compassionate and powerful leader that she is. And so I think Don Staley is just one of those people that every time, whenever Don Staley has something to say, we all better better listen up because yes. it's usually hitting the nail right on the head. No doubt about it. Again, we're talking with A.J. McCord here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And one of the young ladies that she put into the WNBA was Asia Wilson, who plays right here in Las mm-hmm. Vegas with the Aces. They're 13-3. and three. They play tomorrow night. They're fantastic. What have you seen from the Aces? And, and the competition at the top of the WNBA is going to be fierce as it gets down the stretch of the season and, and into the playoffs. That roller coaster that they took us on between the Aces and the Sky game yes. a few days ago. I know Aces fans are probably not stoked about talking about <laughs> that, but you just think about the history that was made, right? With the number of points that the Aces scored to start things out, and then the comeback that the Sky overcame, and how great. I mean, Candace Parker is another one that I think just like hung the moon. 
but Candace Parker and the, and the, the sky coming back. And I think that's what's so great is like the WNBA, you're starting to see so much parity. You're starting to see these intense competitions across the teams. And the aces are one of the ones that you want to talk about benefiting from Title IX. I mean, how about the person who's leading the aces, right? Like Becky right. Hammond, how many NBA teams are kicking themselves going, ooh, maybe we should have given yeah. yeah, in the NBA as a head coach because what she has done with the aces just in this year has been unbelievable. And she's got them competing with the defending champs and falling just barely short and I think that it's, you know, Becky is, is one of those women who also, you know, deserves to be in this conversation of pioneering women when it comes to Title IX. And um, so, yeah, the Aces are a really fun team right now. We're just a few weeks away from All-Star. Uh, the Aces are going to play in the Commissioner Cup again, I believe, yeah. um, in a few weeks. And then, you know, we get down to the, the playoffs in a few months. But it feels like right now at the top, man, it's still – it's still anybody's game. You've got the Aces, the Sky, the Sun, the Storm, the Mystics. Like, yeah. all of those teams are sort of right there. And um, you have, I mean, the Liberty. Like, you see some of the, like, Sabrina Ionescu getting her first nod as, a, as an all-star. You see that team really starting to turn things around. So, WNBA is in the middle of a fun season, and the Aces leading the pack, which is a blast. AJ, what do you think about the the eyeballs that are now on the WNBA? Because just like everything else we've been talking about, I feel like it's continued to grow. And I'll tell you firsthand, being here in Vegas and going and seeing the Aces, there are stars from all over. Tom Brady was here the other day. The Raiders always go and check out the games. I mean, Dwayne Wade's a frequent visitor. Shaq is a frequent visitor. I feel like there's so many eyeballs right now on the WNBA. Do you see, do you see that platform growing as well? Absolutely. And I think that you have to – again, give nods to some of the women who are pioneering making women's sports more accessible, more understandable, have more chatter around it, right? Like you think about some of the women at ESPN, like Monica Monica McNutt comes to mind and Mm -hmm. she talks about it. And then you have like Highlight Her, which is started by Ari Chambers, a branch of Bleacher Report. Christina is over there with Girls Talk TV and I think that that's what the, you know, that's what's made the WNBA feel more accessible is because it's still a little bit of a like, oh man, where can I find the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, most nights it's like, okay, it could be on CBS Sports Network, it could be on Amazon Prime, it could be on Facebook, it could be on Twitter. And so I think now what we're seeing is when these TV rights deals start to come about, we're going to see the women's game become even more accessible to drawing in sort of those periphery fans because there's going to be more conversation around it. There's going to be more storytelling around it. And I think you know, my whole passion in this industry and in sports broadcasting is the story, is the human being underneath your favorite team's jersey. And women's sports is just starting to gain the traction where there's enough platforms and enough, you know, you have Together, you have Flagrant Magazine, like you have these outlets who are dedicated to telling women's sports stories, which then makes that that sport, that team, whatever, more relatable. And all of a sudden you're engaged, not just because, oh man, this is great basketball, but because you're rooting for the person who is playing the game. And so I think we're going to start to see, I mean, WNBA viewership through the roof from where it was even just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're only going to see that continue. Our My friend Kelsey Trainer, who works for Gaming Society, she always talks about just how if you're, if 
it's not betting on women's sports anymore. It's investing in about as sure of a thing as possible that women's sports are going to continue to be on the rise. Right. It really is. And the thing about it, what I love is the more viewers, the more eyeballs, the more conversation that we're all having about it, the more revenue that the the women's game is going to eventually create. And that's going to start giving more money to the players, give more money to the coaches. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to it's going to continue to grow. And that's what the women's game needs. Absolutely. And it all starts with, you know, and, and that's, that's, I think, always been the question, right, is, like, do you start with the investment or do you need to prove the product first? And right. what we've always seen in men's sports is that they invest first and then they make the product work, right? Mm-hmm. Because they invest so much, it's, like, almost impossible for it to fail, whereas women's sports, we've often seen it be the other way around. Well, like, prove you have the viewership, prove you have the fans, and now we're starting to see this realization that, like, wait, 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 no, invest, invest in women's sports. That's what Kelsey always, always says, invest in women's sports. And that's when you see the growth. And like, this is sort of, I don't even say the ground floor right now, because that feels disrespectful to the work that has been done to elevate the women's game, not just basketball, but across all women's sports. But you're still getting in really early on the business of women's sports. If you start investing from a business perspective and like the commercial aspects, like you said, or even in head coaches, right? I mean, Becky Hammond was a massive investment for the aces and look how that has turned out. (laughs) Now all of a sudden, (laughs) I mean, Vegas is like title town half the, half the year. Right. And so now all of a sudden, if you have the aces competing for a championship under Becky, how much does that prove that it's worth it to pay WNBA coaches even more? You know I mean? And I think that's what we're seeing is people are like, this isn't a risk. This is an investment in a very good thing. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Again, we're talking with AJ McCord here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Final question for you, and this has been fantastic. The NBA draft was last night, as you mentioned. Uh, what was your biggest takeaways? What did you What did you like from the from the NBA draft uh, last night? You know, I really liked the, the sort of placement of the top three. I think they all ended up in – in really good spots. I feel bad for the Knicks again. Right. Well, not the Knicks, but like their fans. <laughs> their fans. I feel like yep. I say. <laughs> I feel like I say that after every single draft. I'm really sorry, Knicks fans, that you're living in perpetuity. Um, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm always somebody who's such a sort of basketball nerd that I so look forward to summer league mm. because I think right now, you know, like we've seen some of these players in March Madness. We've seen some of them in their conference tournaments and some of them we haven't seen actually really much at all in college. And yet they were taken in the top 10. I think the Blazers took one of these players um, pretty early on. And so, you know, I think for me, I always look forward to like, okay, the draft is what it is. And there's some really great pieces, but I look forward to summer league because summer league is where you start to see how they work against veteran players that come back and sign two ways with teams to be in summer league or participate on the roster, whatever it is. So I'm really stoked for Summer League, which, of course, is in Las Vegas. Right, exactly. That's a great segue. <laughs> July 7th to 17th, we got tickets. So, uh, yeah. Are you headed out here for Summer You're League welcome. at all? I'm working on it. That's the goal. I want to be out there for sure. There's a lot of tie-ins with um, with a lot of things I'm working on. So oh. I'm hoping to make it out there for Summer League. Okay, well, if you do, this is what you got to do. You got to promise me that you'll hit me up and let me know that you're here. We'll get you in the studio. We'll do some work. We'll get out to Summer League. We'll do our shows live there, and uh, we'll have a good old time. 100%. You'll be the first one to know. <laughs> All right, AJ. Hey, great stuff. Thank you so much. Great insight. We really do appreciate you, and this won't be the last time. We'll have you on again soon. I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. Y'all have a great Friday and a great weekend. Absolutely. You do the same. Appreciate you. No doubt about it. AJ McCord right there, award-winning sports broadcaster, joining us, breaking it on down. It doesn't get too much better than that. 
It doesn't get too much better than that. I have to repeat that. I'm just saying. Talking all things Title IX, talking all things women's sports, and uh, I, I really appreciate what I see out there when I'm watching like the WNBA, when I'm watching women's college basketball. I mean, their NCAA tournament this year I thought was great. I really did. I thought it was fantastic. And Don Staley to pull off a, another championship for South Carolina, I thought that was great. We see, we get to check out uh, Asia Wilson all the time, South Carolina product. When I was there for media day, I, I was talking to her about what Don Staley is able to bring to the game. And I've been a fan of Don Staley forever. <laughs> forever. She was one of the first women basketball players that I was like, man, that's the one right there. She's got it. My dad was a big Cheryl Swoops fan. I was a big Don Staley fan. She just she just had a little edge to her. Maybe that's that Philadelphia in her. I don't know, but she's got a little edge to her. She can coach her tail off, and she's uh, she's just she's done some great things for the women's game. Title IX has done some great things, but it hasn't done enough. Have to continue to put women in in a better position. Have to c- continue to start investing, like 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 AJ just said. Don't don't say oh hey prove it first and then we'll invest. Invest some money. Mark Davis invested in Becky Hammond. And what happened? Her 13 and 3. She's really good. She's a damn good coach. The NBA, like AJ said, is probably thinking, yeah, we probably should have gone ahead and invested in her already. And look, she's coached Summer League. She's coached Summer League teams. It's not like she's all of a sudden just walking into something in some situation she don't know about. She's coached Summer League teams. She's really good. There's some coaches that I have a lot of respect for. We had Kim Mulkey on last week. I have a ton of respect for her. I think she does a fantastic job. She's been there, done that. Don Staley, been there, done that. Ton of respect for her. Coach Hammond, ton of respect. Some of the best of the bet. Of course, Pat Summit, rest in peace, but Pat Summit was probably the best of all of them. Those Tennessee teams she had were fantastic. Definitely appreciate A.J. McCord joining us right there. That was really good stuff. Let's go out real quick to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Gangster Raider. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling good. You know what I'm saying? I just want to say um, thank God for Title IX because I love women's sports. I love women. I love sports. You put the two together, I'm there. That's why I never understood why more men don't support women's sports. You know what I'm saying? I'm a... I'm a big. I used to be a big Sparks fan, but now I'm yeah. an Aces fan because you name they in a Raider Nation family. You know, so but I used to go to the games and everything. I regret not going when I was out there in um, Vegas. But yeah. anyway, uh, speaking of ladies, the lady of my life today is her birthday. You know, what I'm saying her name is Eartha, uh, A.K.A. Lady Gangster Raider. Today is her birthday, and I want you to wish her um, a happy birthday for me because she's the love of my life. I'm a marrier. You know, so she's my fiance, and you know, what I'm saying she changed my life since she been, and I want her to know I love. Her, and you're gonna see her at the games. You know, what I'm saying I'm taking her to a first Raider game, the opener against the Chargers. You know, what I'm saying and she Raider Nation for real. You know, she got to be with me. You know, what I'm saying I want you to wish her, uh, me and everybody else in her family and Raider Nation Radio and the whole Raider Nation family wish Lady Gangster Raider a happy birthday for me. You know, what I'm saying I love you, baby. Hey, I'm there. Gone. Keep it gangster. There it is. Done deal. Hey, nice. Happy birthday, Lady Gangster Raider. Nothing wrong with that. And you can hear the, hey, man, he's Gangster Raider, but you can hear the love in his voice right there, boy. That's something, man. That's something special right there. Congratulations. That's something special. You can hear you can hear the love in his voice when he's talking about how she changed his life. And you know, you just know when you know. You don't know that you know, but you just know when you know. And anyone who's been there, done that a few times, knows what I'm talking about. You just know when you know. You might not you you can't plan for it, 
You just know when you know. Gangster Raider, thank you for the call, man. Great stuff. And again, Lady Gangster Raider, happy birthday. Can't wait to see you at Allegiant Stadium cheering on that silver and black, seeing you at the Rockstar, hanging out with us, doing what you do. Uh, yeah, man, have a great weekend. That is awesome. And, and Gangster, thank you so much for the call. 3.54 is the time. When we come back, we'll kick off our number three of the show. Ian Wharton from Bleacher Report, he's going to join the show. And not only are we kicking off the last hour of the show, might want to get some somber music. Like, like, like Ari already got a tear in his eye. Ari already got a tear in his eye. We're kicking off the last hour of Ari. Ari's going back. We're sending you back. I'll miss you. <laughs> Ari's going to miss us. I'll tell you right now, and then we'll take a break. No joke. My man Vegas Jeff's, Jess said, I'm going to miss you messing with Ari when he messes up. Hope he comes back soon. He's your Baba Booey, if you know the Howard Stern show. Wow. I thought it said yelled at specifically. <laughs> you don't get yelled at. That, that's what Jess said. Read the, the, the nah, first tweet. He, yeah, but the yell the yell is different. No, you're just an energetic person. Exactly. So I yell at everybody. I walk in the house. I wake up in the morning. I'd be like, wife, wake up. <laughs> wow. I do. I wake up in the morning. I go, boom. Bless her heart. Let's get out of bed. It's time. It's 530. She's like, husband, it's 530. I know. Let's go. Let's go. We're fired up on Friday. Let's go. Wake up. That's how I go to bed, too. And there's not too many hours in between wow. when I get up and when I go to bed. All fired up all the time. So when I yell at you, it's just me and my inside voice. What is it with <laughs> radio hosts and yelling? It's all y'all do. No, we don't. <laughs> Where do you think I'm from? Like I told Jess, join me next week on ESPN Las Vegas. If you like yelling, why you, why you trying try to yelling. take Jess from us? That's my guy. No, nah, that just cross why promotion. You, why you trying to take? How him? do you know she's not listening to Mon right it's, now? It, it's Jess is definitely a dude. First of all, oh my bad. My <laughs> His bad. name is Vegas Jess. That he definitely ain't listening to you. Three fifty six <laughs> at a time. We're kicking off hour number three next with Ian Wharton from Bleacher Report. This is Radio Nation Radio nine twenty.